sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a missing persons detail. You get a call that a man is missing. He failed to return from his work the day before. There are no leads to his whereabouts. Your job, find him. Here is Chesterfield's record with smokers, and important to you. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. That's the report of a doctor who has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers for a full year and two months as a part of a program supervised by a responsible independent research laboratory. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality. Chesterfield. First choice of young America. And that's from a survey made in 274 colleges and universities. Try Chesterfields today. Chesterfield, regular or king size. They're much milder and best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, June 16th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of Homicide Division, missing persons detail. My partner is Frank Smith. The boss is Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. My name's Friday. I was on my way back to the office, and it was 11.59 p.m. when I got to room 24. Missing persons. What was his mental condition when you last saw him, Mr. Ford? Where'd you last see him? Was he driving his car? Mm-hmm. What time was that? Yes, ma'am, but what was the exact time? I see. And your address? And the phone, please. Now, can you think of anything you forgot to tell me? Right. Right. Now, you gave me that before. Mm-hmm. Now, was your husband a drinking man, ma'am? I see. Okay, Miss Borg, we'll make a check. Call you back. Yes, ma'am, we'll do our best, thanks. Anything? Man by the name of Borg missing. Mm -hmm. I'm sure glad my wife doesn't call for help every time I miss a meal. Trouble with most guys is they let a woman keep tabs on them, check on everything they do. Let me see that 97, will you? Yeah, there you go. It's everything his wife gave me. Mm -hmm. When you get the jails and records, I'll check Georgia Street County Hospital in the morgue. Looked like a routine investigation. Lots of things can keep a man from getting home. A few drinks, sick friend, unexpected business conference, a flat tire on an isolated road, maybe just boredom. But there are other things that can keep a man from getting home. It had to be checked out. Henry Borg, 51, male, white American, address 1571 East Berendo Street, had failed to return home at the usual time on Monday. His wife called one of the men he worked with and found that he hadn't been at work all day that day. He still hadn't come home the next afternoon. 
She called us. I checked the Gaga file to see if he was one of our regular customers, mental case or alcoholic. He wasn't. Frank and I checked the jails, the hospitals, and the morgue. They had no record of him there. No John Doe's fitting his description. And Borg had no criminal record. We could assume that he was at least alive. Frank called Mrs. Borg back, told her not to worry, and asked her to call us immediately if she heard from her husband. Wednesday, 3.10 p.m., still no word of Henry Borg. The day watch had made another check of the jails, the hospitals, and the morgue. Mrs. Borg called three times. The day watch officer's notes described her as very upset. I called her back and asked her to come in the next day to file a missing persons report. I asked her also to bring in the best picture she had of her husband. Thursday, 2.40 p.m., Mrs. Borg was waiting with Frank when I got to work. She'd already filled out the Form 316. She was holding an aging Pekingese dog in her arms. Joe, this is Mrs. Borg. How are you, ma'am? My partner, Joe Friday, ma'am. Uh, hello, Officer Friday. I talked to Mr. Smith and filled out the paper. Here's that picture you wanted. Oh, yes. Thank you very much, ma'am. It's a good likeness. Mm-hmm. Now, Ms. Borg, I see here that you haven't put anything down under personal habits for your husband. Well, I don't understand. Well, does your husband drink at all, ma'am? Henry? No. He takes a glass of beer with his supper when he comes home, but he's not what a person would call a drinking person. Gamble? Gamble? Yes, ma'am. Cards, dice, horses. Oh, I should say not. He never does nothing like that. You've never known him to gamble at all, then? Henry? I should say not. Now, Miss Borg, you say here that your husband has no relatives. Oh, only a brother, Ed, older brother, but I didn't put him down. We don't know where he lives. Haven't heard a word about him nine, ten years. Mm -hmm. What about your family? Your husband friendly with your family? My family hasn't spoke to me since the day I married Henry Borg. Mrs. Borg, I see you only have one friend listed, a Hal Bishop. That's the man your husband rode to work with, isn't it? Yes. Do you know Mr. Bishop's address? No, I don't. Did your husband ride to work with Bishop every day? You say he left his car at home Monday. Did he ever drive it to work? Well, he usually drove our car, but then he'd ride with Mr. Bishop pretty often, too. I didn't think anything about it. It didn't seem like anything. Well, did your husband spend much time with this Bishop? No, just work. Henry used to like to spend his free time with me. All right, now, ma'am, please don't get upset here. Did your husband have any financial problems, debts that were worrying him? Financial difficulties, like bills and things? No, Henry always took care of it. Do you think there might have been anything you didn't know about that was worrying him? Officer, if Henry was worried about anything, I'd have known it. He'd have told me for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, what about your home? Do you own it? What do you mean? Was there a mortgage on it, I mean? Yes. Do you have the pink slip on your car? No, no. Was well, it possible that your husband was behind in the payments? No, no, he would have told me. Well, did he owe money down where he worked? No, not that I know of. His job, maybe. Was he worried about that? Mr. Snyder, that's his boss. Well, he always said Henry would have a job as long as he was in the contracting business. Henry makes good wages. Mm -hmm. You say here his mental condition was good. Has that ever been poor? You ever know your husband to black out? How do you mean, black out? Well, has he ever suffered from lapse of memory? Is there any history of epilepsy in his family? History of epilepsy? Oh, no, not Henry. Why, he's a healthy man. He hasn't had a sick day. Now, Miss Borg, have you and your husband been getting along lately? What do you mean by a thing like that, officer? You think Henry and I had a fight and that's why he left. Is that what you think? No, ma'am. We don't think anything here, but these are the things we have to check out. Well, it's a waste of time. Don't you think I'd have already told you that? If Henry and I had had a fight, I'd have told you first off. It's the first thing I'd have said. Yes, ma'am. Something's happened to my husband, officer. I just know it. Something's happened to him. Did you and your husband go out together much, ma'am? Well, one night last month, we went to the Coconut Grove. there in the Ambassador Hotel. 
And we used to go up the movies pretty regular. Was he in the habit of leaving the house at night alone? No. Just when he went out with Francine. Francine? Yes, our, our Pekingese here. p.m. Thursday, June 18th. Began to look as if Henry Borg was in trouble. From what we'd been told, he wasn't a man who had just suddenly decided to leave home. We had to find out if the facts we'd been given were accurate. Thursday, 4.10 p.m. We contacted Borg's friend, Hal Bishop, just as he was leaving the construction job where they both worked. He said he hadn't gone by Borg's house to pick him up Monday because Borg hadn't asked him to. The way they worked it, Borg always told him the day before if he wanted a ride. At first, Bishop said he hadn't noticed anything strange about Borg recently. Then he decided Borg had been a little irritable the last few days. Said it wasn't like him to be irritable. That he'd never known Borg to miss work before. That he'd never heard of any trouble between Borg and his wife. He said that Borg didn't talk much about his wife. We called on the neighbors of the Borgs. They said nothing to indicate any flaws in Mrs. Borg's story. Henry and Martha Borg were average people in an average neighborhood. He went to work every morning at 7 a.m. Came home at 5.15. His neighbors didn't know much about him. He was a quiet man. They lived in the same house for 13 years. Martha Borg was 47, maybe 48. They never had visitors. After 13 years in the same neighborhood, she apparently had no close friends. Two of her neighbors had noticed that in the past year, Martha Borg would leave her house three or four times a week at 11 a.m. Always at 11 a.m. She invariably got back before her husband did. The neighbors said she usually brought some shopping home with her. They did go out frequently in the evenings. However, there were no reports of family trouble between Martha and Henry Borg. Thursday, 6.20 p.m., we talked to Adolph Wernicke, whose grocery store was on the corner a half a block from the Borg home. They'd been trading with him ever since they moved to the neighborhood. I don't know what to tell you about Mr. Borg, officer. He always seemed like a nice fellow to me. He didn't say much, but nice. Sure is funny, him disappearing like that. Mm. You got any idea if he had any trouble with his wife? No, that wife, she's a funny one. Different from Mr. Borg is day and night. Well, how's that, sir? Mm, I don't know. High hat, sort of. She's all right, I guess. Kind of show-off, though. Kind of person who dresses up when she goes shopping around the corner. Likes to buy fancy groceries. Stuff I never get calls for. Like those anchovies up there on the shelf. Now, I'll bet you I won't sell two cans of them in a year. But Mrs. Borg comes in and she'll buy them. Now, Mr. Borg, he don't like that kind of stuff at all. Told me so himself. Yes, sir. But how'd they get along? Do you ever say anything about his wife? I'll tell you the truth, officer. I don't know. As far as a man and his wife arguing, I don't pry. Hurts business. Come to think of it... He did say one thing. That was a long time ago, about two, three months ago, maybe more. What was that? What did he say? Well, he came in here, just about like this time it was. Didn't buy anything, just kind of hung around. Remember, he seemed out of sorts. I asked him if he was feeling all right. He said he was. Just felt like he had to get away from the house. Now, that'll happen to a man. Just feel like you got to get away for a while. You know what I mean, officer. No, sir, I'm not married. Thursday, 7.50 p.m. Borg's description and the circumstances of his disappearance have been broadcast to all units. Still no word. 4.10 p.m. Friday, June 19th. We checked Borg's union. He hadn't reported for a new job. We filed an all-points bulletin. 8.5 p.m. I checked back into the office. Mrs. Borg was waiting. Sergeant Friday, I'd like to know just what's going on around here. My husband has been missing almost a week, and I don't see why something hasn't been done about it. If you can't find my husband, then why don't they put more men on this case? This is a terrible thing. I'm a woman alone, and the police haven't done a single thing. My husband may be dead. He may be dead, and nobody's doing anything about it. In my work, you hear it every day, but you can't get mad. It's against regulations, and you can't blame them either. They're in trouble, so you let them talk. You try to explain. They don't listen, but you try. 
Well, we're doing all we can, ma'am. They're always talking these days about giving policemen more money. It seems to me there are certain policemen who aren't even earning the money they get right now. Yes, ma'am. What are you doing for my husband? Miss Borg, here's the file on it. Now, we've made regular checks on the hospitals, the jails, and the morgues. Thursday night when you came in to file that Form 316, we had a complete description of your husband broadcast to all radio units in the city. It was teletyped to every police division. Today, we sent out an all-points bulletin over the state wire. Every police department, sheriff's office, and highway patrol unit in the state knows that your husband is missing. Here, you can see the bulletin right here, ma'am. Now, in these cases, ma'am, we start with nothing. We don't know where they've gone or why they've gone. Most of them turn up by themselves. Some of them don't. We do everything we can to find the ones that don't. Miss Borg, there are 4,000 police officers in this city looking for your husband. p.m. When we thought Mrs. Borg was feeling better, we sent her home. We reminded her again to notify us immediately if she heard from her husband. 9.10 p.m. The desk at Central called and told us that they'd picked up a John Doe. From what they said, he apparently was suffering from amnesia. While I went down to Homicide to check out some reports, Frank went over to Central to see the man they picked up. 9.16 p.m. Frank came back to the office. Joe. Yeah? Just checked out that John Doe at Central. Anything on him? Yeah, it's Henry Borg. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Years ahead of them all. Chesterfield is years ahead of all cigarettes. Chesterfield quality is highest. Here's the proof. Recent chemical analyses give an index of good quality for the country's six leading cigarette brands. The index of good quality table, which is a ratio of high sugar to low nicotine, shows Chesterfield quality highest. Chesterfield quality, highest. 15% higher than its nearest competitor. Chesterfield quality, highest. 31% higher than the average of the five other leading brands. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Try Chesterfield today, regular or king size. p.m. Officers Gorman and Mayer brought in Henry Borg, alias John Doe. They found him wandering around in the 900 block down on South Spring Street, the financial district. Wasn't much reason for anybody to be loitering around there at that time of night. All the businesses in the area were closed. The officers investigated. When they questioned the suspect, he would not or could not reply. They took him to Central Division, where the watch commander, Lieutenant Hale, had him shaken down. His wallet was missing. No papers, no identification. In his pockets, the officers found eight cents a key ring and several keys. No cigarettes, no matches. He was dressed in a good quality worsted suit, very rumpled. No tie, no hat. Gorman and Mayer had rolled his prints at the city hall and sent them to Leighton Prints for classification. During this time, no one let him know that we had any idea who he was. The two officers that had picked him up stood by. Frank and I walked over to where he was sitting. Do you know who you are? Feel sick? Been drinking, maybe? Would you have a rough night? Look, if you can talk, mister, I think you better make things a lot simpler here. We're trying to help you. How about telling us who you are? Maybe there's something wrong with you, mister, but we don't think so. We want to know who you are. We want you to tell us. If you don't, the only thing we can do is let them book you at city jail as a John Doe. That's the law. 
Now, look, if you're trying to hide something, if you're wanted, we're going to know it in a few minutes anyhow. If you want to wait, we'll wait it out with you. You want us to think you're an amnesia case, is that it? Well, maybe you got a good reason, but it won't work. I've been in this department a long time. I've seen a lot of phony amnesia cases. I've only seen one real one, and he didn't act like you. You want to know what I think? I think you're pulling a phony. Come on. How about it, mister? I got it. Missing persons, Friday. All right. Yeah. You bet. Thanks very much. Right. Okay. That was Leighton Prince, mister. They got your fingerprints classified. Now, we know you're not wanted for anything. Look... We know you're not a bum. Your clothes are good, and you look like a guy who takes good care of himself. A man like you doesn't walk around without a wallet. What happened to you? You got a problem? Tell us about it. Maybe we can help you. Now, why don't you tell us who you are? You probably got a wife. She must be mighty worried about you right now. All right. Book him. I lost my wallet. How? I don't know how. Where? I don't know where I've been. Now, you listen to me, mister. We want to know who you are. We want to know where you've been, and we want to know right now. I don't know who I am. Let me see your hands. What? Your hands. Come on, hold them up. Let me see them. That's it. Now, I'm going to tell you something about yourself, mister. You work for a living, don't you? Hard work with your hands. Like a mason, maybe, huh? Yeah, maybe you're a mason or a hod carrier. You could be a painter. Some kind of construction work, I'd say. Something like a plasterer, for instance, huh? You couldn't be a plasterer by any chance, could you, mister? I don't know. Okay. You ready to talk to us now, Henry? I wasn't trying to fool you. I was only trying to fool myself. Now, we've been looking for you since Tuesday, Borg. Your wife's pretty worried. I'm not going back. No matter what you do, I'm not going back. We're not going to make you go back. That's up to you, Borg. All they pay us for, mister, is to find you, to make sure you're okay. None of our business if you go back. I'm not going back. All right, now, look, you're pretty upset, Borg. Why don't you tell us about it? It's crazy. It's crazy what I did. It doesn't make any sense. You fellas, you wouldn't be interested. Maybe I'll just go. If it's all right with you, I'll just go. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay if you want to. Look, we're going to be around here another hour. We haven't got much to do. Our work's all cleaned up. We're just about ready to go home. Why don't you stick around and talk to us, huh? We'd kind of like to hear what happened. Yeah. Just might help you clear things up in your mind if you talked about it. Oh, it's crazy. I know it's crazy, but I guess I do want to tell somebody about it. How about a cigarette? Will that help? Yeah. May I give you a match? I am a man 50 years old. I work hard. I learned my trade as a boy of 16. I've been at it ever since. My wife and me, we got a new car. We got our own home, almost paid for. A man my age, when he gets home nights, he wants to take it easy. Read the paper, watch the television. Bought a $400 TV, 21-inch screen. Yeah. You want to know what happens when I get home? She wants to go out. Don't make any difference how tired I am. It don't make any difference if I've been working hard all day. She wants to go out. Do you know what that's like? Well, it doesn't sound like the reason a man would leave home, boy. I don't mind it once in a while if it was just once in a while, but she's after me every minute I'm home. Here for the last few years, it's been every night. I don't know what's come over her. She didn't used to be like that. Martha used to be a sensible woman. Now she acts silly like a young girl. She's different. 
Goes in for fancy clothes, all kinds of fancy food, even anchovies. And I don't like anchovies. Last month, I swear, she even made me take her down to the Ambassador Hotel. Imagine me at the Ambassador Hotel. All I ever hear from her is we've just got a few years left to have our fling. I don't want any fling. I'm a plasterer. That's hard work. I get home, I want to rest. It isn't like I cared if she goes out. She goes to the movies almost every day. Goes before noon, she tells me, before the prices go up. I don't care about the money. I want her to have a good time, the clothes, the things like that. I don't care. I love my wife. I guess you think I'm crazy after what I did, but I love my wife. I see, sir. And that dog, that Francine, what kind of a name is that for a dog? You ought to hear her talk to it like it was a person. How long you had the dog, Borg? I don't know. Two, three years. Well, the reason I ask seems funny. You just decided to leave home last Monday. Dog's been around two or three years. The ambassador thing was last month, you said. Well, what did it? It was the lessons. Lessons? The dancing lessons. What? But there's this social club up around Pico and Figueroa. People go there to dance. People our age, she says. Only I can't dance. That's when she gets this idea, I gotta take dancing lessons. Did you ever hear of anything like that? A man my age has gotta take dancing lessons? That's when you left. It was Sunday afternoon when she got this idea. She kept picking at me all afternoon. It really got me. I thought about it all night. I couldn't sleep. Monday morning, I just didn't go to work. I got drunk instead. Got sick, too. Just couldn't think of anything else to do. I guess you know the rest. I lost my tie, my wallet, lost my hat, too. And they picked me up. I was just kind of wandering around when they picked me up. Seems like a shame when a man can't even go home. Mm-hmm. You sure you don't want to go home now, Borg? Maybe if you talk things over with your wife. No. No, it wouldn't do any good. Nothing I could say to her would do any good. I can't go home. Well, it sure has been interesting hearing you talk, Mr. Borg. <laughs> it's almost like hearing somebody tell about me, remember, Joe? Yeah. You had something like this? Had it. With me, it was canasta, though. I hate cards. A waste of time. Yeah, I sure thought it was the end for me and Faye. Remember, Joe? But it wasn't? No, for a while, Eric sure looked like I was going to lose my happy home. Guess I would have, too, but I talked turkey to her. You know what I mean, Borg? No. What do you mean? Talk turkey to him. Make him understand. You let a woman push you around, Borg, you're dead. Well, with Martha... Look, they're all the same. I sat her right down on the sofa, and I said, Now, look, Faye, and I told her what the score was. She took it, too. It's the only way to do. You try what I say, Borg, you'll see I'm right. I can just see Martha if I ever tried to put my foot down. That's what I thought. I was all set to give it up, move in with Joe here, right, Joe? Yeah. Then I figured I might as well at least get a load off my chest. Once I got started, I lost my temper. You know, it's a funny thing. Faye's always thought more of me since then. You ask her. She'll tell you so herself. Says she respects a man who'll stand up for his own rights. Right, Joe? Yeah. I don't know. With me, I, I don't think it would work. Sure it can. Now, Borg, you listen to me. You tell her you're a working man. Tell her when you get through work, you want to take it easy and nobody's going to run you. Set her straight, Borg. Get tough if you have to. She won't give you any trouble after that. I, 
just don't know. Martha... It won't do any harm to try it. I'd like to see Martha's face just once if I even told her to shut up. I wouldn't want her to have anything handy to throw. Borg, look, it's 1210. We've got to be getting home now. You take my advice. You go home, too. Have a talk with her. See if you can't work it out. No. No, Sergeant. Thanks a lot, but I can't go home. Well, like I told you, it's none of our business, but I think you ought to try it. Well, here. Well, look, you're going to need car fare. Here's a dollar. You take this and go on home. That'll get you there. Well, okay. You'll get this back, Sergeant. I'll pay it back to you. I, I guess maybe you're right. Can't hurt anything to try it. Lots of stuff. Thank you a lot. I didn't mean to put you fellas out this way. Good luck to you, Borg. You'll see. It'll work. Maybe it'll work. Well. But I don't know. Martha. I'll get out of cancellation, Joe. That should wrap it up, huh? Yeah. What time did you say it was? It's 12.10. Yeah. Well, Joe, I better make a phone call first. This time of night? Why? What's the matter? I just remembered I told Faye I'd call her. Friday, July 28th. A month had passed since Henry Borg had left our office to go home. We'd heard nothing further from him or his wife, and we assumed that they had reconciled their problems. 6.10 p.m. Officers? Oh, hello there, Borg. Nice to see you again. Hi, Borg. I was afraid maybe you fellas wouldn't remember me. It's been a while. I tried to get out and see you before this. Well, fine. How are things going? Did it work out like I said? I brought you something, Sergeant. Some cigarettes for both of you. Like you to have them. I hope it's the right brand. Well, yes, sir, that's the right brand, all right, but you don't owe us anything. I want you to have them. That's all right, sir, you keep them. All right. Well, anyway, here's that dollar, the one you loaned me. Okay, Borg, thanks very much. I sure owe you fellas a lot, and I really mean it. My wife and I, we sure appreciate what you fellas did for us. It... Was that clock right? Yes, sir. Uh-oh, got a rush. Got an appointment. Be late if I don't hurry. Appointment? Yeah. Got to get over to Arthur Murray's. you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On July 31st, a meeting was held in the office of the captain of homicide. In a moment, the results of that meeting. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, we hope you've been listening to Dragnet regularly, and we hope you've tried our Chesterfields. If you haven't tried them yet, then tomorrow's your day. Get a carton, regular or king size. It only takes one carton at Chesterfields to show you why Chesterfield is best for you. Believe me, they're much milder with a wonderful taste. America's best cigarette buy, Chesterfield. Since the subject, Henry George Borg, had committed no crime, he was not held and the case was officially marked closed. just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. 
Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Vic Perrin, Irene Tedrow. Script by Paul Coates. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfield's, either regular or king size. You'll find premium quality Chesterfield's much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. By special request, Dragnet is being sent to our servicemen and women all over the world. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for longer filtering. And Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Sound off for Chesterfield. Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A young girl has been shot with a 22 caliber rifle. It was reported a suicide. Your job, investigate. Here is Chesterfield's record with smokers, and important to you. No adverse effects to the nose, throat, and sinuses from smoking Chesterfield. That's the report of a doctor who has been examining a group of Chesterfield smokers for a full year and two months as a part of a program supervised by a responsible independent research laboratory. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield. First with premium quality. Chesterfield. First choice of young America. And that's from a survey made in 274 colleges and universities. Try Chesterfields today. Chesterfield, regular or king size. They're much milder and best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. 
For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, June 8th. It was warm in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out a homicide detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Lorman. My name's Friday. I was on my way into the office, and it was 8.03 a.m. when I checked into room 42. Homicide. Joe? Yeah? Back here in the skipper's office. Ray Giese wants to talk to you. All right. Morning, Joe. Hi, Ray. What do you got? Suicide. Anything on it? Oh, here's the report. Team from the business office went out last night. Get on it right away, will you? Right, Ray. Let's go, huh? Yeah. Want to check this stuff before we get started? Might as well give us an idea what we got to do. What's the report say there you got? Let's see. According to this, business office got a call at 2.30 this morning. Landlady out in the Westlake Park District called in and said that this young girl had committed suicide. They get an ID on her? No, they got her listed as Jane Doe, number 17. There's a description here. Better check it with missing persons, huh? Uh-huh. How'd the landlady happen to find the body? Well, according to the report, she heard the water running in the apartment, finally went up to see what it was. She knocked on the door, nobody answered. She opened it and went in, found the body. Well, the girl didn't live in the apartment then? No, place is rented to a Ross Mitchell. Anything on him? No, says he wasn't home. He was checked through R&I, no make on him. How about Prince on the victim? No go. Checked him out. Nothing on her here. We could send him on to Washington. Yeah. And they found a suicide note. There's a copy of it here. What's it say? Ross, I've tried to make you understand. Nothing seems to do any good. I've told you that I won't stand in the way of your career, but you don't want to try to make a go of it. I know this doesn't solve anything. It's the only way I can think of. Any signature? No. Report says that the original copy's over at the crime lab for processing. Well, well I guess we better start with the landlady, huh? It's the best lead we got. Glindo and Bates are out there now. Place was staked right away. Friday, you want to check too? Right, thanks, Ray. It's Friday talking. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, we just got it. Is that right? Okay, Max. No, have him wait there, will you? No, we'll be right over. All right, thank you. Well, it's a little break. Max over at the coroner's office says they know who the girl is. Yeah. Her father just identified the body. a.m. We left the city hall and we went over to the Hall of Justice. We met the victim's father, a Mr. Robert Andrews Paul. He told us that there could be no mistake. The body was that of his daughter, Gloria Z. Paul. The attendant had given him some smelling salts, and after introducing us, he'd left to close off the viewing room. I don't understand why she'd do it. None of it makes sense. When did you see your daughter last, Mr. Paul? Saturday afternoon. That was the last time. I never saw her again. She was gone Saturday night and all day yesterday, is that it? Yeah. You hear from her at all? No. Weren't you worried about her at all? No, sometimes she doesn't come home, stays with a girlfriend, but when I didn't hear from her last night, I got worried, started calling around. She say where she was going when she left? Told me she was going over to see Peggy. Said the two of them were going to a show and that she'd be home for dinner, sure. Well, who is this Peggy? Peggy Rockwell, a friend of Gloria's. Uh-huh. Have you talked to her? What? I say, have you talked to this Peggy since your daughter disappeared? Yes, I called her last night. I talked to her then. I was most out of my mind. I didn't know what to do. I talked to her last night. She didn't know. Did your daughter know anybody named Ross Mitchell? Ross Mitchell? No, I don't think I've ever heard the name. Why do you ask that? Oh, just wondered. You know something about this you're not telling me, is that it? No, sir, we don't. Well, it must be something like that. You don't just come up with a name like that out of thin air. You gotta have a reason. Now, look, I'm a father. I got a right to know. All night sitting there waiting for the phone to ring, calling her friends, thinking she's been in an accident, imagining all kinds of things. If you know something, you should tell me. I've got to know. How am I gonna tell her mother? 
Poor woman's almost dead with worry. She doesn't know about this. All she knows is that the baby's gone, that's all. The baby's gone. Gloria's dead. I don't know what to do. All right, Mr. Paul, try to take it easy. I'm sorry if you got a cigarette. Yes, sir. Here you are. Here, I'll give you a light. I'm sorry about that. It's all right, sir. We understand. Now, do you think you can give us an address where we can talk to this Peggy Rockwell? Yeah, she works at a restaurant over on 7th. I've got a home address, too, if you want it. Yes, sir. We hope you'll understand this, Mr. Paul. We don't mean any offense here. What's that? Did your daughter have any steady boyfriends that you know about? No, I don't think so. No one that she went with steady. No one man she liked more than the others? I think there was. I, I don't know who. Her mother asked her about it a couple of times, wanted to know who the fellow was, but Gloria'd never say. Just said that it wasn't serious, it didn't matter. I'd seem to get along with this man, would you know? All right, I guess. I told you, I never saw him. I didn't know who he was. But whenever Gloria had a date with him, she acted like it was something special. Did your daughter have a job? Not regular. She used to model once in a while, and then maybe she'd pick up a day's work in pictures. Not much. Mm -hmm. Can you think of any reason why she'd want to take her own life? No. She seemed pretty happy. Never gave any indication there was anything wrong. Has she been ill lately under a doctor's care? Well, not that I know about. Well, Mr. Paul, is it possible she might have been seeing a doctor and you wouldn't know about it? No, our mother would have known. She'd have told me. Now, I'm pretty sure she was feeling all right. Anything about her job that bothered her? What do you mean? Well, was she happy with what she was doing, the kind of work she was doing? Oh, yeah. Gloria didn't want a career. She was looking for a husband, one to settle down and raise a family. Mm -hmm. Well, can you think of anything at all that might make her want to take her own life, as I asked you before? I can't understand it. None of it makes any sense to me. Where she was found, she didn't know anybody in that part of town. I don't know what she'd be doing over there. Did she drink? I don't think I understand. Well, did she drink much, sir? Bars, cocktail lounges? No, she didn't. Now, Gloria was a good girl. She didn't drink or smoke. She was a good girl, and I don't understand all this. First this thing with Ross, and now you want to know if she drinks. I don't know what you're trying to get at, but I don't like it. You're trying to make Gloria something that she isn't. She's a good girl, always has been. Just a home and family, that's all she wanted, nothing more. I don't know why you're asking me all these questions. I'm a father. You're the police. It's up to you to find the reason. That's your job. Not to come around and say things about my girl. I'm sorry. We're not saying anything, Mr. Paul. You are, too. You're trying to make me believe that Gloria wasn't a nice girl. Now, I know different. I raised her since she was a baby. Gave her all the care I could. I don't know why she'd do a thing like this. You don't? No. Why ask me these questions? Well, sir, you said it yourself. Huh? You're her father. We continued to talk to the father of the victim. From him, we got a list of the girl's friends, the address, and the names of the people that she worked for. While we were talking to him, he was unable to give us any ideas as to why his daughter, Gloria Paul, might want to take her own life. He insisted that he didn't know anybody or any one of his daughter's acquaintances named Ross Mitchell. A telephone call was put through to his wife, but she was unable to tell us who the man was. 8.20 a.m., Mr. Paul recovered from the initial shock, and he went home. 8.39 a.m., we drove over to the rooming house where Gloria Paul had been found. On the way, we stopped to call the crime lab to see if they'd been able to come up with anything in the dead girl's effects to help us. Lieutenant Lee Jones at the lab told us that they hadn't finished their investigation yet. 8.50 a.m., we arrived at the house and talked with the landlady, Thelma Keen. It's terrible. Poor little thing. You haven't seen Ross Mitchell yet, is that No, he hasn't come in. I told the officers last night that I didn't expect him until noon today. Have you seen the girl before? Once in a while. She'd come in with Ross, wait for him, and then they'd go right out. Did you see her last night, sir? I told the officers that 
were here last night that I didn't. Uh, didn't you talk to them at all? Well, yes, ma'am. We have the report they filed, Mrs. Keene, but we'd like to get some additional facts from you. It seems like a waste of time, but I suppose you have to. Yes, ma'am. Do you have any idea when she might have come in? No, not the slightest. When was the last time you saw Mitchell? Saturday around noon. He came in and told me that he'd be out of town over the weekend. Uh, said for me to keep an eye on the place. Yes, ma'am. Did he tell you where he was going? He said he was going to visit an assistant director friend of his over in La Cunada. Did he say what the friend's name was? No, they're working on a picture together. Ross just met him the other day. Asked him out for the weekend. Ross was very good at making friends. Mm -hmm. You know where he's working? No. Ross just said it was a sea adventure. Doing it in full color. 3D, too. I guess it's going to be quite a spectacle. They didn't have all the gimmicks in my day. Ma'am? Didn't have 3D or the other things. In my day, we acted. We knew how to act. From the heart. These youngsters are good flack. Can make a star out of anybody. Oh, things have changed. Here, this one. That's me with the pith helmet. This was made over on Catalina Island. We were shooting a jungle picture. We acted. No doubles for us, real actors. Mm. When was this, ma'am? A few years ago. Now, why are you asking all these questions about Ross? Well, the note the girl left was addressed to him. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Just some lovesick girl. Doesn't mean Ross had anything to do with it. How'd you happen to find the body? I went to bed about 10.30. They were running one of my old movies on TV, and I stayed up to see it. You happened to catch it? The thing called The Floods Will Come. I made it over at Catalina. It starred Nick Benton, real movie idol. Here's one of the stills from the picture. Yes, ma'am. Here's the whole company. That's me. And that, that's Nick with the puttees. He put on a little weight. I remember he had to do road work while we were there to trim down. Held the company up for a week. The grand picture. They didn't do it right on television, though. Looked a little corny. I guess the way they ran it through the machines. You know, we all looked uh, pasty. Even Nick. Yes, ma'am. Would you go on, please? Uh, well, after I saw the rest of the picture, I went up to the kitchen, got a bowl of shredded wheat to eat in bed, came back to the bedroom, and I heard this noise. What noise was that, then? Like somebody was running water in one of the taps. Went on and on. Pretty soon it started to bother me. I couldn't understand it. Uh-huh. Finally, I went up to see who it was. Noise came from Ross's apartment. Mm -hmm. I knocked, but there wasn't any answer, so I unlocked the door and went in. I thought something was wrong. And that's when I saw her. I see. She was lying on bed. Right away, I called the police. Now, before you went up, did you hear any other noises? Any sound of a struggle, anything like that, maybe? No, just the water running. Well, how about the shot, ma'am? You hear that? No, no, I didn't. A lot of shooting in the picture I was watching. Did you touch anything in the room? No, I turned the lights, but that's all. Room was dark when I went in. Just turned on the lights, and then I called you. According to our report, there wasn't any purse found with the body. Did you see one when you went in there? I didn't. But if I had, you'd gotten it. What are you trying to say? That I stole her purse? Is that what you're trying no, to say? No, ma'am, that's not what we're trying to say. Better not. I've got a reputation in this town. I know a lot of big people. I'm not going to have you come in here and call me a thief. Well, we didn't mean to offend you, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Who has a key to Mitchell's place besides him, ma'am? No one. He's got the only one. I don't like a lot of keys to the rooms out. I tell all the tenants that. Have you got any idea how the girl might have gotten into the room? No. Do you know who the gun belonged to? Yes, it was Ross's. You're pretty sure about that, are you? Yes, I saw it when he moved in. Commented on it then. He said that he'd had it since he was a kid. Kept it out of sentiment. Mm -hmm. 
What's this all about, anyway? You seem to think that there's something wrong. Is that it? No, ma'am. It's just that in things like this, we have to make a complete investigation. You can understand. Oh, well, I want to do all I can to help you, but I do have an appointment. If there's nothing more you want, I'd like to be going. That's all right, Miss Keene. If we want to talk to you, we'll be able to reach you here? Yes, right here. We'll give you a call to tell you about the inquest. Am I going to have to be there? Yes, ma'am. You and Mitchell. Why him? Well, it was his apartment, ma'am. But he didn't have anything to do with well, it. Well, maybe so, ma'am, but he'll still have to be there. It's not fair. A thing like this can ruin him. By the time the papers get through with it, he'll be finished. It can ruin his career. He doesn't know anything about it. He won't be able to tell you anything. Well, you're wrong there, ma'am. Huh? He's got a lot to explain. We went upstairs and met the officer staked out in the room and looked at the apartment where the girl had been found. 9.20 a.m. We gave our card to Thelma Keene and asked her to call us if she thought of anything else. We also asked her to notify us immediately in the event she heard from Mitchell. The stakeout on the room continued. 9.52 a.m. We drove over to the coffee shop on West 7th Street to talk to the girl's friend, Peggy Rockwell. We found her in the back of the place typing out the day's menus. What about Gloria? Something wrong? When was the last time you saw her, miss? Well, let's see. Saturday night, she stayed at my house. Left about noon on Sunday. I had the day off. Figured that maybe we'd do something, but Gloria said she had something to do. Last I saw her was on Sunday morning. You know a man named Ross Mitchell? That bum. Why do you say that, Miss Rockwell? Because he is. Real no good. You pretty friendly with Miss Paul? Well, Gloria thought so. Turned out he was just using her. Well, how do you mean? Thought at first she could get him some jobs. Turned out when he could do better, he dropped her. They were going to get married, and then he thought he could do better, so he dropped her. Mm-hmm. Say, do you mind if I go ahead with these menus? The boss will be sore if I don't get through with them. No, you go right ahead, miss. We can talk while I'm doing it. Yes, ma'am. I took a course once, touch typing. Didn't think I'd ever use it. Boy, was I fooled. You go right ahead, miss. Well, this Ross really gave her the rush. Had her take him around, introduce him to her friends. She got him a couple of jobs. She's the one who introduced him to Mike. Mike? Yeah, Mike Cowell. That's Ross's agent. Peggy set it up. She's done just about everything for him. Then the bum acts like this. What do you mean, miss? Treated her so bad. Say, how do you spell croquettes? Well, I, I think it's C-R-O-Q-U-E-T-T-E-S. O-Q-E-T-T-E-S. Turkey. They had roast turkey last night. I don't understand how people can eat them, but we sure sell a lot of them. Did Miss Paul say she was going to see Ross over the weekend? Yeah. She said she had an appointment with him Sunday. Said she'd called him and set it up. You know what time? No, just said she wasn't going on like this. Had to be straightened out. Mm -hmm. I don't blame her. She's told her friends they were going to get married, and at the last minute, Ross would back out. Her family know about Ross? No. Father didn't mind her doing a little work in show business, but he didn't want her to marry anyone in it. She thought that if they just got married, then the family would understand. Joe? Yeah? I'll call the crime lab, see if they've finished. Yeah, fine, thanks. How did Miss Paul and Mitchell seem to get along, ma'am? What do you mean? Well, did they have any arguments or disagreements, would mm, you know? Not often. Most of the trouble they had was about getting married. Ross kept saying that it wouldn't do him any good to be married now. He thought that it might hurt his career. That's all he thought about. Were you ever present at any of these arguments? Once. We'd gone out on a double date, went to a place down at the beach... Had dinner and then stopped on the way back for a couple of drinks. Uh-huh. Ross got pretty drunk, got into a big thing about his career. Yeah. He went on and on about how hard he'd work, how much the theater meant to him, all that kind of stuff. I see. Finally, he said right out that he'd kill anyone who tried to stop him, just like that. He'd kill anyone who tried to stop him. Joe, yeah. See you a minute. Would you excuse me, please? 
Sure. Uh, just a minute. Yeah. Um, is there one L or two L's in broccoli? Just one, ma'am. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Just talk to Lee Jones. Yeah, did he finish up? Yeah, something's wrong. What's that? He thinks the girl was murdered. You are listening to Dragnet, the authentic story of your police force in action. Years ahead of them all. Chesterfield is years ahead of all cigarettes. Chesterfield quality is highest. Here's the proof. Recent chemical analyses give an index of good quality for the country's six leading cigarette brands. The index of good quality table, which is a ratio of high sugar to low nicotine, shows Chesterfield quality highest. Chesterfield quality highest. 15% higher than its nearest competitor. Chesterfield quality highest. 31% higher than the average of the five other leading brands. Don't you want to try a cigarette with a record like this? Chesterfield, first with premium quality and best for you. Try Chesterfield today, regular or king size. Ten thirty-seven a.m. We drove to the crime lab and talked with Sergeant J. Allen. He told us that when they checked for powder burns on the body, they hadn't found any. They measured the reach of the dead girl and found that it would have been almost impossible for her to have pulled the trigger on the rifle, leaving the fingerprints they found on the gun. Water test failed to show any traces of nitrate powder on her hands. They checked the handwriting on the suicide note found in the room against samples of Gloria Paul's writing and found that they didn't match. From their findings, they said that it was their opinion that the girl had not killed herself, that she'd been murdered. We went back to the city hall and got out a local and an APB on Ross Mitchell. We called the landlady of his rooming house. She hadn't heard from him. 12.30 p.m., we went back to the rooming house and relieved the stakeout. We asked the landlady not to say anything to Mitchell about our being there. 12.45 p.m., still no sign of the suspect. 1 o'clock, 1.30. Who are you? What are you doing in my place? Come on in. Who are you? Police officers, come on in. Close that door. Put that suitcase down. What's this all about, anyway? What have you guys been doing here? The place is you, all Ross torn Mitchell? up. You, Ross Mitchell? Yeah, why? You know a girl named Gloria Paul? What's she got to do with it? You know her? Yeah, I know her. When's the last time you saw her? Say, what's this all about? What's all these questions? When was the last time you saw Gloria Paul? Friday night, I guess. Don't you know for sure? All right, Friday night. You haven't seen her since? I told you, the last time was Friday you night. You didn't see her Sunday? No. Where were you Saturday and Sunday? Out of town. Where? La Cunada? Can you prove you were there? Why? Can you prove you were there? I don't like all this. You guys coming in here asking a lot of questions? What are you trying to prove? Who are you staying with? A friend of mine. What's his name? I'm not going to have him dragged into this. You haven't got any choice. That's what you say. You haven't told me what this is all about. I'm not telling you anything. Will you tell me? Now, you look, Mitchell, understand this. We're not here to pass the time of day. You better come up with some answers quick. Now, who are you with? Friend of mine, guy named Sid Austin. What's his phone number? You going to call him? We've got to check your alibi. Now, what's his number? Won't do any good to call him. Thought you said you were there. I was. Then we got to call him. Well, he won't be able to tell you anything. He wasn't there. He just let me use his place. There wasn't anybody there. Who's got a key to this place besides you? You mean here? That's right. Nobody. You got the only key, huh? That's right. The landlady's got one, just the two of them. You got any idea how somebody else could get in here? No. Why? How well do you know Gloria Paul? What's she got to do with it? How well do you know her? We used to go together. Anything serious between you? She thought we might get married. How'd you feel about it? I don't think that's any of your business. Maybe it is. How'd you feel about it? I liked her. She was a nice kid. Nothing more. No. Now you look. I think it's about time you told me what this is all about. Something to do with Gloria, is that it? That's right. What? She's dead. Hmm. All right. 
May I please have a cigarette? Yeah. Here. Here's a match. Thanks. How'd it happen? Thought maybe you could tell us. Why'd you figure that? Where'd you see her last? Up here. This room? Yeah. When was that? I told you, Friday night. You have any trouble with her? No. No argument? I told you no. Well, how'd it happen? Can't you tell me? You own a twenty-two rifle? Yeah. You got bullets for it? Yeah, why? Where do you keep it? Closet over there. You keep it loaded? No, the bullets are on the shelf in the closet. All right, come on, Ross. We better go downtown. What for? I want to talk to you. What for? You got to tell me before I have to go. You got to tell me what you're holding me for. Suspicion of murder. Now, come on. Where are you taking him? Downtown. Why? We want to talk to him. You didn't have anything to do with it, did you, Ross? I don't even know what this is all about. All I know is that Gloria's dead. She killed herself in your room. What? In your room, Ross. It was suicide. Well, they're arresting me for murder. Oh, you can't do that. Ross didn't have anything to do with it. It was suicide. That's what you said. All right, come on, Mitchell. Well, you can't do that. It was suicide. You want to take him out of the car, Frank? Yeah. You can see that you're making a mistake. He didn't have anything to do with it. He's going to have enough trouble with that girl killing herself in his apartment. You can't arrest him for murder. It was suicide. What are you trying to tell us, lady? What? Something you want to say here? No, you're making things up. All right, let's go. Yes. Yes, go ahead, take him, go ahead. He wants to be a star, let him. Go ahead and take him and serve him right, the way he treats people. I tried to help him. God knows I tried. Got him to meet a lot of important people, a lot of contacts. You think he was interested? You bet he was. How does he show it? I'll tell you how. He thanks me for all I've done for him by running around, chasing after that young nobody, that Gloria. I tried to reason with her, tried to talk some sense into her, told her that she couldn't do anything for him, told her that I could make him a star bigger than anybody. She said she loved him. She doesn't know how to love. You want to go ahead? I came over here all the time, begging Ross to marry her. Told her to get out of his life and stay out to leave him alone. He didn't need her. When was all this? Sunday evening she came here all dressed up. Oh, when they're young, they know everything. I'm one of the biggest stars this town ever had. She's a nobody. I know what's good for that boy. Didn't you tell us you didn't see the girl Sunday, isn't that right? That's what I said. Did you see her Sunday? Yes, I did. She wanted me to let her into Ross's apartment told her he wasn't there. She said it didn't make any difference. She'd wait for him. Yeah. I told her to leave him alone. She didn't understand him. Didn't know how to take care of him. I know the right people. He could have written his own ticket in this town. He could have been big. You don't want him. I killed him. All right. Do you want to get a coat, ma'am? Yes. Doesn't make any difference. I did it to help him. I thought you'd think it was suicide. I didn't think you'd figure anything else. You wrote the note, did you? I did. That's what you've got to understand. For him, that was all that counted. He'd married her and he'd been through. I had to stop it. I didn't want to kill her. You can see I couldn't let him marry her. Ross is a fine actor. Real talent. Doesn't come along often. All right, lady. Let's go. 
He'll understand, won't he? He'll know why I did it. He'll understand. I wouldn't know, ma'am. Oh? We'll let you ask him. The story you have just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On October 14th, trial was held in Department 89, Superior Court of the State of California, in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that trial. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Friends, Dragnet Radio is taking a summer vacation. We'll be back in the fall. George Fenneman will tell you all about that in a minute. Meanwhile, I hope you'll watch our TV show regularly, and I also hope that all of you who are not Chesterfield smokers will try them. I like to feel that when we resume broadcasting in the fall, every one of you will have switched to Chesterfield. You'll find they're best for you. And, of course, when you go on that vacation this summer, be sure to take along a couple of cartons, will you? Chesterfield. And we all hope you have a very pleasant summer. Thelma Alice Keene was tried and convicted of murder in the first degree. She was sentenced to life imprisonment in the California Institute for Women, Corona, California. just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Virginia Gregg, Vic Perrin. Script by John Robinson, Ben Alexander. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. For a million laughs, tune in Chesterfield's Martin and Lewis show Tuesday on this same NBC station. And sound off for Chesterfield's, either regular or king size. You'll find premium quality Chesterfield's much milder. Chesterfield is best for you. By special request, Dragnet is being sent to our servicemen and women all over the world. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet transcribed from Los Angeles. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, Dragnet leaves radio for the rest of the summer. We'll be back early in September. Watch then for our return. Check the radio listings of your newspaper for the day and time. Please note, however, that if Dragnet is seen on television in your community, it will continue throughout the summer. Have you tried new cork-tipped Fatima? It's the smooth smoke. Here's why. New Fatima tips of perfect cork. King size for longer filtering. And Fatima quality for a much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has the tip for your lips. Try new Fatima. See how smooth it is. Fatima is made by the makers of Chesterfield, Liggett and Myers, one of tobacco's most respected names. (laughs) 